Uh, we are continuing today with a series we've been working on throughout the course of the summer uh, called Tell Me a Story, uh, looking at some of the stories that Jesus told. Uh, and just a for today's reference, uh, we're looking at three stories uh, that all kind of talk about lost and found. I'm going to be working from Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to be reading each of the stories in their entirety. If you have a device or a Bible and you want to open there, that may help you to follow along. Uh, Just to reemphasize, as we look at these stories, um, many times they are very... Oops, here. Losing my microphone. Many times they are very simple stories, but they have sobering realities or deeply convicting truths uh, contained within them. The three stories we're looking at today, um, sorry about that, thought I had it fixed. The, the three stories that we're looking at today um, each have their own nuances, but they each speak to the same central truths that we're going to unpack. And again, just a quick mention, where the stories we're looking at our lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son. And as I use that terminology, I want to emphasize that lost does not necessarily mean something bad. All right? It simply means that something is not where it should be. Okay? I understand that sometimes when we talk about lostness, especially as it applies to people, we, we can extrapolate and think there's there's something wrong with them. The only thing wrong in these stories is something's not where it should be, and it's important to understand that. I also want to offer a contextual note. We're going to look at, at chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 in just a moment, and you'll notice that it talks about a couple groups of people, and it refers to one group, the Pharisees, and it calls them mutterers. Now, I've been a, called a lot of things over the course of my life. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone called a mutterer, I don't even know how to say it, um, where it was a compliment. All right, it, It's not, not a label we want to have. So, it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering to hear Jesus. So we have these people coming together, and they are people that not folks may not particularly like. Uh, Again, even today, I'm not terribly fond of paying taxes. I understand it's a necessary part of living in a civilized culture. But the tax collectors in Jesus' day were oftentimes uh, not terribly reputable. Uh, they got ahead by charging you more than you really had to pay. And then they're sinners. And, and again, we don't know what their sins were, but, but they're kind of lumped together in this fashion. And they're gathering around to hear Jesus. So as we've seen repeatedly, and even the video or the, the, the image that I had up there shows Jesus teaching and people gathered around him. And so these people are gathering around to hear Jesus. And then it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So we have one group who wants to hear Jesus and draw close to hear about these simple stories and perhaps process the sobering realities. And we have another group of people who are critical of the circumstance and situation. It's important, and I share this for context, because the stories we're going to look at about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son 
were aimed at these Pharisees and teachers of the law. Um, and some of you who have been here throughout the course of the summer know sometimes when Jesus told a story, the disciples would pull him aside afterwards and say, what in the world did that mean? All right? You have people in your life where they tell you a story and you say, what in the world did that mean? So sometimes Jesus told a parable and it required a debriefing. Other times Jesus told a story and it's like there's no debriefing required. The people hearing it got the message. This was one of those times where the disciples got the message the first time they heard it. And as I talk about the mutterers, or the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, lest we be too harsh on them and miss the personal application, I want to make a comment. Now, remember, those of you that were here last week, we talked about you know, addressing the speck in somebody else's eye while we have a plank in our own eye. Okay? So let's make sure we're looking at the plank before we look for a speck when we talk about the Pharisees or the mutterers. I think it's fair to say that the Pharisees would be all-stars in many, many, many churches of today. Perhaps even our own. Because the Pharisees, these mutterers at whom these stories appear to be directed, they faithfully kept the rules and they encouraged others to do the same. They faithfully attended worship with great regularity and encouraged others to do the same. They faithfully gave the expected amounts and encouraged others to do the same. So they got a lot right. Yet Jesus told some simple stories in hopes that they would grasp some sobering realities. I want to quickly paraphrase these simple stories. The first story in, in the beginning part of Luke chapter 15 is tells about a lost sheep. And we're told that a sheep is missing. In all probability, I think the assumption is made that the sheep, being a sheep, just wandered off, got distracted. I don't see any maliciousness in the sheep's heart if they have that capacity to say, I'm going to leave. He was not, or she, or it, whatever, was not running away from home. Wandered off, maybe distracted, maybe just not paying attention, whatever. But we have the sheep who wanders off. Now, the thing of it is, is the sheep was in danger by not being with the shepherd and the rest of the flock. And it probably didn't even realize it was in danger. So we have a lost sheep. Wandered away, distracted, not paying attention, whatever. And then we're told that the shepherd, who had a total of a hundred sheep. Now, if you have a hundred sheep, how big a deal is one sheep? I mean, you still got 99. What's the deal if one was not paying enough attention to stick with the crowd? But in the story, we're told that the shepherd left all the 99 and went to look for the one because that was important. So that's the lost sheep. 
story. Next is the lost coin story. I mean, story, it's barely a story because it's like one sentence. Well, two sentences counting the conclusion. But we're told that there's a woman and she had ten coins. And she lost one. And she just went nuts looking for it. She wanted to find that coin that she had lost. And we're told that she just looked everywhere. She swept the whole house. She probably looked under everything. And she looked and she looked and she found her coin. Lost sheep, wandered off, lost coin. Who knows how it got lost? But she looked for it till she found it. All in. She still had nine. But the one she felt she needed to find. Then the more involved story is the one about the lost son. In this story, we're told that there, there's a father and he has two sons. And one of the sons comes to him and says, Dad, uh, you've done pretty well for yourself. And as your son, I know that I'm entitled to some of your estate. And what I would like is I'd like you to give me my share of your estate while I'm still young enough to enjoy it. He may have even pitched it by saying, while you're still young enough to watch me enjoy it. We don't know what he sold, Dad. But he said, I'd like it now. And Dad, being a kind, caring, generous dad, he said, okay. And so he did whatever he had to do, cashed out whatever he needed to cash out, to give that son his share of the estate. And the story goes on to tell us that the son took it and he and he left the area. He said, you know what, I've had it with this podunk town. I'm going to go to the big city or wherever and, and I'm going to make good for myself. And we're told that he, he got there and he squandered everything his father had given him. And it got to the point where he was working as a hired hand feeding someone else's pigs and glad to eat what was left over after the pigs ate. And he has an epiphany, a a moment of clarity, and he thought, you know what? Back at home, dad's servants ate better than I'm eating and had better care. And he says, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to beg my father to let me come back home. I don't even want to ask him to let me be a son again. Just let me come, treat me like one of your servants, and I will still be better off. So we're told he goes home. Now, three keys. And they apply to each of the three stories that we've looked at. The first key is in each of these stories... Something that matters is missing. Something that matters is missing. Sometimes to get the full meat of these stories, we need to think about some of the other things that Jesus did and said. And in the Gospel according to John, he talks about, Jesus is talking about a shepherd and its sheep, and his sheep, I should say. And we're told that there is such a bond between shepherd and sheep 
that the shepherd would literally lay down his life for his sheep to protect them. Some folks who have studied the culture would say at times they would they would put their sheep in an area called a sheepfold where they were protected and there was a gate. And the shepherd would literally sleep across the gate. So nothing got out, nothing got in without passing by the shepherd. Jesus tells us that, that the shepherd knew his sheep and they knew him in a, fa- in a way that they recognized his voice. So if you had a group of shepherds with their sheep in the same vicinity, they could call out and their sheep would recognize his voice and follow him. Other times Jesus talks about knowing their sheep by name. Now I can't imagine having names for a hundred sheep, but there was a connection between shepherd and sheep. It was his life mission to protect them. So one was missing, it mattered to him. In all probability, he had raised that sheep from a lamb into maturity. He had watched over it. He had made sure it was fed. He had made sure it had access to water. He had done what it needed to get it to that point. Something that matters is missing. The coin. Now, just this week, I was walking across the parking lot, and I found a penny. Now, many folks I know, pennies don't matter, all right? If they give you pennies, you put them in the cup by the cash register because you don't want it in your pocket. I've been with folks. Now, some of you know I'm cheap, all right? I've been with folks. If they drop a penny on the ground, they don't bother to pick it up because it's just a penny. Now, in this case, this woman has 10 coins. She loses one, and she just goes bonkers looking for it. And it's like, hmm. Well, first of all, Scripture tells us that the coin was actually worth about a day's wage. Okay, so it, it's it's not a penny. But still, she's got ten. She loses one. What's the deal? Many scholars think that this coin was actually part of her dowry. And for a woman in that day, the dowry defined who a woman was to herself and to others. It was not uncommon for them to actually wear the coins from their dowry. They may wear it as a necklace or they may wear it as a as a headband. And there's this string of coins. And what makes that special, not just, it's not like my wife lost an earring in the past 24 hours. Um, it's not like you lose an earring. But that coin, that dowry, defined who she was to others and to herself. And she wore it with pride. And in a culture where women had very few rights, these coins may have been her only personal possessions of value. So all of a sudden, it's not somebody dropping a penny in the parking lot. This is a part of who she is and how she tells others or shows others who she is. This is her personal identity and security. So all of a sudden, one out of ten becomes a really big deal. 
something that matters is missing. Obviously, we know that all parents have favorites, and we all know that we were the favorite, all right? But we all know, seriously, you can put no value on your child, how much they matter to you. And I feel comfortable in saying, unfortunately, virtually all parents know the pain of seeing their child make poor choices. And in many times feeling powerless to do anything about it. Many parents, her Stephen say it, many parents have been cut to the very core of their being by their child's rejection. I heard a speaker say once, because I've read that story a bazillion times. Dad, give me my cut. All right. All right. What's the big deal? But remember, this is his, his inheritance. And one speaker I heard said, this is as if he's not just asking to cash out. He's basically looking his dad in the face and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead because you mean more to me dead than you do alive. Your stuff means more to me than you mean to me. So just give me what's mine because you don't matter. Oh, my goodness. That changes everything. But yet, that son still matters to that dad, and he's missing. If it matters, you'll look for it. The story, if I had read it completely, the story says with regard to the sheep that the shepherd will go after it. And then later it says, until he finds it. You, you guys see the same news that I do. And you know those times when they're looking for a child who's missing. And they don't find him. And they don't find him. And they don't find him. And at some point, they have to make the decision to call off the search. The shepherd, he still got 99. But he went after it until he found it. The coin swept the house, we're told. She searched carefully until she found it. We don't know how many times she searched. We don't know how long she searched. We don't know what extent she went to. So We have certain things around our house that get misplaced. And there have been times when we realized something was missing... We've searched everywhere. And then we search everywhere again. And then we think, well, maybe it actually got thrown out. So then we search through the garbage. And we still don't find it. And then we search through the garbage again. And then we go back and look everywhere else we possibly can. Friends, that's the search. If it matters, you look for it. With the sun. Because the sun basically thumbed his nose as his dad and left. He didn't literally go looking for him. But when we read the story, when the son decided to come home, it says while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. That father searched every day 
probably the first thing when he got up in the morning he looked, whenever he had a moment throughout the course of the day he looked, and probably the last thing he did before it got dark was he looked. He looked. He looked. And he looked. He may not have been looking under tables and sweeping the house, but every day he searched with his heart. And every day he searched with his eyes. If it matters, you will celebrate. Now remember, this: these stories are targeting the mutterers. All right, you remember that? That was the context. What are they muttering about? They're muttering because Jesus is hanging out with the lost. That's what they're muttering about. If it matters, you'll celebrate. The lost sheep. Verse 6, chapter 15. Talks about and goes home. The shepherds found the sheep and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Do you not think Jesus is taking a dig right here at the mutterers? He's not saying, hallelujah, the Pharisees have been in church every Sunday. Not that that's a bad thing. All right? But he's saying, hey, everybody, I still have 99 sheep. Oh, no. He's saying, hey, everybody, the one sheep that was lost, I got him. Verse 7, I tell you in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. Take that, mutters. Huh? All right. The lost coin. Conclusion of that story. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. I found it. Okay, mutters. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If it matters, we will rejoice. And then the lost son. What a wonderful conclusion. Chapter 15, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. I've already told you that part. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Some of you can feel this. Because you're, you're looking. And, and you're waiting. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. That's a tough spot. The son who had thumbed his nose as his dad, had rejected his dad and chosen his dad's stuff over his dad, is coming home. Now, I don't want to judge this father by my weaknesses. 
But I wonder sometimes if there was just a smidge of, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Told you so. He learned which side the bread's buttered on. Maybe, maybe not. We're told this father was filled with compassion and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. If it matters, we celebrate. The last verse. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Simple stories. Sobering truth. Leave here today understanding. If you've been here every day since the doors opened, if this is your first time here, your second time here, your third time here, if you came on top of the world, or if you came in the pits, know that you matter to God and heaven's priority is seeking you. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I really don't. If you're not where you should be in relationship to God, he's looking for you with commitment and urgency. Understand that. And some of us here may need, and I'll give you a chance in just a moment, some of us here may need to say humbly but simply, Dad, I want to come home. I want to come home. Because you matter. And he's looking for you. The other side of that is, if you are where you should be in relationship to God, there is rejoicing in heaven. And you need to savor that. The other thing is, others matter to God. And heaven's priority is seeking them. Others matter to God. And heaven's priority is seeking them. Friends, I'm not being critical. I'm simply stating truth and the reality of the human condition. The tension between tending the 99 sheep, the tension between taking care of the nine coins, the tension between pleasing the faithful son, because some of you know the story, and the son who didn't cash out, who stuck my dad's side, was really ticked that the bad guy came home and was welcomed back. That just really irritated him. 
Friend, the tension between the 99, the tension between taking care of the nine coins, the tension between pleasing the faithful son versus going all out to look for the lost is a struggle that every Christian and every Christian church must battle. Because all of us in our lives have 99 sheep that want to be fed. Every church has 99 sheep that want to be fed. We must be careful that we don't mutter, but that we get that something that matters is missing. That if it matters, we'll look for it. And if it matters, we'll celebrate. That's why it's important for us individually and us collectively to wrestle with these simple stories and sobering realities. Bow your heads with me. I'm just going to ask a couple questions before I close in prayer. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I encourage each of us to just think for a moment. Have I been found? Am I home? Or do I need to say this morning, Dad, yeah, I want to come home today. If I am found, if I am home, am I living like it and enjoying the celebration? Am I looking for the lost? Am I willing to feed myself while others look for the lost? And what is it that prompts me to celebrate? Father, again, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I just want to take a moment for those who are here. And I know I've gone over these stories quickly. But if you can identify with that son who's kind of been doing your own thing. Maybe you didn't squander all your resources, but you've just been away from the family. If you want to say to God as your Heavenly Father, Dad, I want to come home. He's watching. He will run to you and wrap his arms around you. But if you want to say, Dad, I want to come home this morning, would you just look up and make eye contact with me as your way of saying, Dad, I'm, I'm back. Will you welcome me? Father, you know what's taking place in people's hearts right now. And I know for those who looked at me, I know that you are spiritually running to them, wrapping your arms around them. It doesn't take away the pain of the past, but it gives them a sense of love and security as they take steps to move forward. And Father, we know, we know that there's a celebration right now Because your children have come home. Doesn't mean there won't still be bumps in the road. But your children have come home. And we celebrate that. 
and we celebrate knowing that you're celebrating. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts. Perhaps we're just not quite at the point of coming home, but we realize maybe we need to start thinking about that. We pray that your spirit would continue to stir in our hearts. And for others of us, maybe we've gotten comfortable knowing that there's a coin missing, knowing that there's a sheep missing, knowing that there's a son missing. And Father, sometimes that's a miserable place to be. But we pray that you'd help us to be continually mindful, whether it's searching with our heart, searching with our eyes, or or literally reaching out. We pray that you would help us to guard against the temptation to mutter and to be open to doing what we can and seeing what can be done to pursue the lost. We thank you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Michelle.